0: This is The Week in Addiction Medicine, a podcast resource of timely news and top stories brought to you by the American Society of Addiction Medicine, ASAM. Today is Tuesday, October 31st, and I'm Claire Rasmussen. Our lead story this week, chronic pain, cannabis legalization, and cannabis use disorder among patients in the U.S. Veterans Health Administration System is in the Lancet Psychiatry. This study considered the impact of both recreational and medical cannabis laws on the diagnosis of CUD using a VA population with chronic pain. Results demonstrate that medical cannabis laws led to a 0.135% increase in the prevalence of CUD. Enacting recreational cannabis laws led to a 0.188% increase in its prevalence. Next, we have a study in PLOS 1. Cannabis Use Disorder, Suicide Attempts, and Self-Harm Among Adolescents. Researchers obtained diagnoses for all hospital admissions of adolescents for the years 2016 to 2019 using data from the Nationwide Inpatient Sample. Researchers found that those with a diagnosis of cannabis use disorder were more likely to have a diagnosis of suicide attempt than those without CUD. CUD was also associated with other mental health disorders such as depression, anxiety, and ADHD. Our next study in JAMA Network Open is titled Telemedicine Buprenorphine Initiation and Retention, in Opioid Use Disorder Treatment for Medicaid Enrollees. The COVID-19 pandemic disrupted healthcare delivery in the U.S., which may have contributed to sharp increases in drug overdose mortality. Decreases in the delivery of in-person care were partially offset by an increase in telemedicine services. This study, using Medicaid data on over 90,000 individuals from 2020, found that enrollees who initiated buprenorphine treatment via telemedicine had higher odds of retention in treatment, but no change in the odds of opioid-related non-fatal overdose. This study suggests that patients may benefit from the use of telemedicine during buprenorphine initiation. Our next study, Naloxone Online Information Exceeds the Recommended Reading Level for Patient Education Materials, is in Journal of Studies on Alcohol and Drugs. This study compares the readability of naloxone materials to that of CPR materials. The authors found that the average readability of naloxone websites was grade 11, with a standard deviation of 2.3 and none of the websites met the recommended 6th grade reading level for patient education materials such as those used for CPR. Next, we have a study in Harm Reduction Journal titled Examining Buprenorphine Diversion Through a Harm Reduction Lens. The authors conducted an agent-based modeling study to compare three scenarios, the first being status quo, the second, controlled prescribing with no diversion, and the third, an increased diversion scenario. The authors specifically looked at opioid overdoses and overdose deaths in all three scenarios and found that overdoses were highest in the controlled scenario, likely due to buprenorphine being used as a substitution for heroin or fentanyl when diverted. These data support ongoing efforts to liberalize buprenorphine prescribing and increase access. Our next study in Canadian Medical Association Journal is titled, Canadian Guideline for the Clinical Management of High-Risk Drinking and Alcohol Use Disorder. This study helped inform a national practice guideline for the Canadian Research Initiative in Substance Misuse for the Clinical Management of Alcohol Use Disorder. The guideline contains 15 recommendations for screening, diagnosis, and treatment, as well as psychosocial treatment interventions. Principles of care include social determinants of health, patient-centered care, trauma and violence-informed practice, harm reduction and comprehensive health management. The intent is to provide a framework so evidence-based practices are embraced. Our next article in Frontiers of Psychiatry is titled Psychedelics as Treatments for Substance Use Disorders. The authors note that though existing studies are limited and frequently small, there are studies looking at treatment for depression or anxiety in persons with SUDs, alcohol use disorder, cannabis use disorder, and methamphetamine use disorder. There are also limited studies examining the potential mechanisms for psychedelic effects, including neuroplasticity. The authors note that given the significant need for novel therapies for SUDs and the potential for psychedelics as treatment, much additional research is needed, and it is important that the research is equitable to ensure high-risk populations benefit. Our final article in JAMA Network Open is titled, Technology-Assisted Buprenorphine Treatment in Rural and Non-Rural Settings. The data on technology-assisted buprenorphine consisted of four components. One, buprenorphine induction followed by two-week supplies of take-home doses. Two, nightly calls from a voice response system asking about drug use and craving. Three, twice-monthly random calls for urinalysis. And four, HIV, HCV, and overdose education administered by tablet computer. Data collection continued for six months. Trial 1 consisted of 50 patients treated at the research clinic where TAB patients, where technology-assisted buprenorphine patients achieved 85% abstinence, compared to 24% in the controls. Trial 2 consisted of 50 patients treated in a rural setting, where technology-assisted buprenorphine patients achieved 88% abstinence compared to 21% in the controls. These results demonstrate the efficacy of technology-assisted buprenorphine treatment. This concludes today's episode of This Week in Addiction Medicine. Remember to subscribe to the ASAM Weekly for more exclusive content and our editor's commentary, delivered every Tuesday. Be sure to check us out on social media and ASAM.org. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week.